Stop me if you've heard this before. Texas is having trouble recruiting linebackers and defensive linemen. You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. John Garcia, Jr., Director of Football Recruiting at Sports Illustrated, joining me. I don't think any Longhorn podcast drinks as much Kool-Aid as we do over here on Locked on Longhorns. I'm always uh, excited about what we got going on at the 40. Uh, But these next 10 minutes are going to be a little rough for me because I got to talk about Texas shortcomings in recruiting the last couple of days. So let's start on Saturday. Um, I was out running errands and, you know, not thinking anything too crazy happened. Hop on Twitter and my timeline is in shambles because the number one linebacker in the country chose Texas A&M over Texas and Anthony Hill in a head-to-head battle. So how big of a loss is Anthony Hill going to Texas A&M for the Longhorns? Well, I mean, you 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 heard the intro that you just, you know, so eloquently put out there. It's like, look, this is something that it's not a one, two year issue. This is something that has gone back for a while. So when the crown jewel of fixing said problem goes elsewhere even if they were the favorite it's tough it's tough to to swallow but that's that's part of it you know I I think there was a lot of I didn't think he was going to commit that day there was certainly some buzz uh that that A&M was was the clear leader in that recruitment although Texas and everyone else had had tried to to make a run at him but yeah it is a big loss he's like you said the, the top linebacker certainly in Texas maybe in the country, um, you know, established program, just a big name for multiple years. So optically a a big loss on top of the positional value there. So, yeah, it's really hard to spin that in another direction, you know, in terms of volume. Yeah, there are a couple of linebackers committed right now, um, but, you know, no disrespect to those guys. You know, Anthony Hill would have been the headliner should he have picked UT as opposed to A&M. So, yeah, it's, it's really hard to spin it another way. It's a loss. And look, as soon as this Texas run started, my whole thing was because I'm always big picture, right? I'm always like, where's AM? Like, what where's the counter to to Arch and to this run that Texas has been on? And, and now we're starting to finally, a month later, see the counter come back from, from AM. And, and they may go on a run of, of their own here, but certainly um defensively, it's it's more uphill for Texas. It just kind of is what it is, right? You know, offensively, it's the opposite for AM. Offensively, you expect those kids to, to maybe lean a little bit more Texas than, than Texas A&M. So that's why I've reemphasized how important some of these defensive commitments have been for UT, like your Derek Williams is your Malik Muhammad's of the world thus far. But yeah, there's, there's still certainly a need at linebacker in, in missing Hill. Uh, and there's still certainly a need up front, you know, in, in looking at the numbers and some of the best available prospects. And that's something that, that has to be addressed for, for a number one type class that that has to be a part of it. Speaking of up front, about 41 minutes ago, Colton Bassick announced his commitment to the Oklahoma Sooners. David Hicks, the number one prospect in the state on the D-line, is trending towards Oklahoma recently. So you talked on the podcast last week about how Texas needed to get Colton Bassick, an Austin-area kid, and Oklahoma came into Texas' backyard literally and got Colton Bassick. So how big of a loss is that for the Longhorns? that's a strong one. I think you can counter the other Austin guys who have left, right? If you say, well, 
Jaden Greathouse and Braylon James. I mean, great players. You could say, okay, well, you know, Jonte Cook, Ryan Niblett, maybe a Jalen Hale. Like, you, you could kind of make that argument easily for Texas. Like, hey, you can't can't take all of them. But when it's, again, it's a pass rusher and it's an Austin kid who it felt like before that visit you were going to get. You know, that's certainly what my expectation was from afar um, that, you know, yeah, it hurts. It hurts because not only did he spend the weekend in Oklahoma, but boom, you set the commitment date right after that, which is never good for any other school that, that didn't just host the kids. So as soon as I saw, I believe late last night where he said he was committing today and I was like, oh man, that's, that's probably not going Texas's way uh, just based on, you know, the tracking the visits and, and the timeline here. So yeah, that one hurts. You know, again, is he the best player in America? No. Uh, but but an Austin player at a position of legitimate need, that's tough. That's tough. There's there's now several Austin natives that are legitimate Texas, you know, type targets that that have gone elsewhere. And again, you can make the argument against a few of them that have made that choice because you've replaced them and countered with great talent at the position. But in terms of pass rushers, there's only one or two on the commitment list that I see right now for Texas. So that is, again, maybe the most important spot that has to be addressed more so than linebacker because, you know, pass rushers are premium position guys and there's more of them on the field. Uh, so you need more of them in, in, you know, on your roster. So I think that's maybe a bigger loss than, than Anthony Hill just based on the position, you know, compared to itself. And to the same tune of that, you have a TJ Shanahan uh, at the same school who's likely an Aggie lean. But like you said, we have a counter with that, with Kyle Flood already bringing in five right. offensive linemen. But there's no excuse. You know, we don't have – we need edges. And they just lost one of the best edges in the country, a Texas legacy from Austin to Oklahoma. So I did some research. Since 2011, Texas has only brought in a total of 11 top 100 either linebackers or defensive linemen in a recruiting class, only 11 in the last 12 recruiting classes. That's linebackers combined with defensive linemen. Only eight of them ended their career at Texas. One of those being Alfred Collins, who's still at Texas right now. What is it going to take for Texas to be able to reverse this trend of not being able to land top linebackers and defensive linemen in the country, especially the ones in the state of Texas? Well, I think that last part is is, is incredibly key, right? You know, it, you have to recruit. If you want to be a number one recruiting class, you got to go recruit nationally. And we, we've we seen UT do that, right? You, you got a Hawaiian on this commitment list, for goodness sakes. But if, if you're talking about just long term, you've got to do it at home first, uh, especially on that side of the football where you just know. I mean, they're probably – I don't know the numbers. They're probably – 20 linebackers a year in the state of Texas that can play at or close to that level. Um, so, you know, to, to push for the top ones of that group shouldn't be such an uphill climb for Texas. But again, it goes back to perception. You know, that's been the struggle area that that's been where th there haven't been draft picks. There haven't been all conference, all American type players. So, you know, beyond the logo and the burnt orange color and all of that, you have to start looking at it from the kid's perspective of what have you done for me lately? Because these are teenagers. They, they were, I don't know, one years old when Vince Young did what he did. So you have to consider that when you look at why some of these guys are going to Alabama and Georgia and Ohio state and Oklahoma, even because they have been able to produce that 
at a relatively high clip, whether it's pass rushers or linebackers. So I do think that is something that needs to change. And, and I think the season and the timing of it now is something that's good for Texas because now you can start defensively to to pilot something that is going to land um, and, and, and not have to rely on an offense that, by the way, last year was really good. Uh, people, you know, perceptionally don't talk about it. The offense was pretty good. The defense lets you down. Same thing at Ohio State, same thing at a few other schools. So until that starts to change tangibly, it's going to be hard to win head-to-head, even with Oklahoma, which is, you know, it's something that we shouldn't be talking about with Texas. It should be a coin flip at worst, and it doesn't feel like that at these positions because we just haven't seen it done and developed the, the right way. So um, maybe Collins and, and guys like that start to buck the trend, but it has to start, and that's that's the issue. It just hasn't to date. Uh, so it's going to take almost good faith from prospects to to jump on board when they do have other options that that have kind of been there and done that. And most importantly, they've been there and done that lately, which Texas just hasn't. On-field production will always be the best recruiting pitch. Hey, I got a special treat for y'all, Longhorn Nation. But first, a word from BetOnline. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. So I spent the first nine minutes ragging on my favorite football team, talking about how they can't recruit linebackers and defensive linemen and how we lost Anthony Hill and how we lost Colton Bassett. But like I said, nobody drinks more burnt orange Kool-Aid than Jonathan Davis on Lockdown Longhorns. So I said I got a special treat for y'all. You know, it's time to give my recruiting staff some praise. So here we go. Just give me a second. Jonte, today is a massive day for you, your family, and the University of Texas. August 1st is the first day in accordance with NCAA rules where the University of Texas can provide you with your official scholarship offer. I believe you possess the character, athletic ability, and competitive spirit necessary to achieve at the highest level at the University of Texas. This is an exciting time for Texas football, and we're so thrilled for you to be part of it. Remember, the pride and winning tradition of the University of Texas will not be entrusted to the weak nor the timid. Welcome. Hey, <laughs> I like that. What you think? You got to give my, my forever head coach, Steve Sarkeesian, a letter grade for that, John. What you think about that? I love it. It's an A because it, it you know, these are cool, first of all. August 1st is always cool for us in the business because we see tangible results of this hard work that these kids put in, right? I mean, it's fun to talk about them and rank them and all that, but it's they're, they're really rare, all these guys. They're incredibly, you know, the less than 1% that that are at this this such a high level. To And to see the evolution on top of that of these offers and the letters, the written offers that can only go out August 1st or later has been so cool. Now, most of them today I've seen have been video. I got to say, though, I like Sarks among the best because it wasn't just, hey, hook them, you know, come play here kind of deal. There was a little bit of challenge in that. There's a little bit of call to action in, in that statement because uh, there at the end, you know, not for the week, timid or whatever else it said. Like, I like that because it's like, hey, 
Texas has done that, but we need to work to get there. And I think there's something to be said for that and presenting that publicly because, you know, all these quick kids tweet it out. So, you know, it's going to get out to, to the masses. So I like that it was not just a praise fest for, for the school that you work for, but it was also kind of a challenge to those who you're sending a scholarship to to say, hey, if you accept this thing, it's it's coming with a lot of great stuff. But it's going to come with mostly hard work on top of that. And, and I think that's something that we, we don't see enough in, uh, in this, I guess the, the visual sport that social media has allowed uh, recruiting to become. Yeah. So for my audio listeners and for my YouTube viewers who didn't understand what you just watched, that was the personalized video offer. Official offers went out today. That was John Tay Cook's official offer video from Sark. Like John mentioned, Sark mentioned each person's name individually in the video. And then at the end, said that playing at the University of Texas is not for the timid or for the weak. So a recruit that might not be timid or weak, uh, Darian Gallet, there's some smoke surrounding his commitment. Um, a lot of people think that he may be announcing on Friday, August 5th. This seems to be another in-state Texas battle between Texas A&M and Texas. Uh, so Darian Gallet, how much of a priority is he for the Longhorns and where should their confidence level be with Darian Gallet? Yeah, he's he's up there on the chain. I mean, we, we just talked about it, right? Obviously, Anthony Hill, you're not going to stop recruiting him. Let's let's not pretend that is a possibility. But the kid just made his decision. So naturally, you're not expecting to land that signature come December. So when you look at the rest of the linebacker board, you, you look for players that are similar who could one day captain this defense. And I think uh, Galette is one of these most interesting you know players that really we've scouted in the entire country. Um I'm going to read his pin tweet stats from 2021. Ready? 1,458 receiving yards, 14 touchdowns, four rushing touchdowns, 19 total touchdowns, 125 tackles, four sacks, two forced fumbles, uh, two interceptions, and a, a fumble recovery that he took to the house. So I love two-way players in general. I think it provides – more readiness. Um, obviously, it shows that you're in great shape and competitive, right? Because, you know, you're not coming out on Friday nights. But man, how about a productive player at receiver and running back that is looked at as a linebacker type? You, you talk about not only, again, a huge position of need like we've talked about, but that's a modern football player, Galette is. A guy who is built for space. He is built for where the game has gone, laterally, vertically, you know, basketball on grass, all that fun stuff. So I like the the shot that you're taking at, at Texas to, to try to pull in a kid like this. And like you said, it does project as a bit of a Texas versus Texas A&M battle. I think there should be some confidence here, especially with the timing of Hill. Usually when you're recruiting a big fish and he jumps in, the next player at his position isn't as ready to jump in. Oftentimes you have to reconnect and kind of reestablish where you're at on the board, right? Like, well, hey, I, I play the same position as that guy. He just popped. Where, where do I fit in? Um, so sometimes I, I think, you know, that that is good for the other programs in the in the mix. Um, so it, it's not, you know, like you're cheering for losing a battle, but there are some circumstantial benefits uh, to losing some battles relative to the timing. And I think both of these guys committing in, within a week of each other is probably good news for both programs. Um, and, and again, I think, What's more interesting between these two, because maybe this is the inevitable comparison we're going to have to make, they're total opposites. I, I think Anthony Hill is one of the most controlled, play within your responsibility type of players, right? 
And I think Galette is one of these instinctive, dynamic, you might not get the, the best technique, but he's going to lay somebody out and, and intercept the football, you know, maybe even outside of his own responsibility. So it's, it's high floor versus high ceiling, um, big physical, maybe, you know, close to fully developed specimen to a guy who's 6'2", 220, that you know his body's going to change in Galette. So these guys are polar opposites. And, and recruiting has taught us, J.D., that the path towards being an all-conference player and all-American has been hit by both of those kind of guys. The guys we expected who, who were number one linebackers like Reuben Foster, but also the guys who are raw and kind of positionless that, that became linebackers, like a Michael Parsons comes to mind. Both of those guys work uh, at the collegiate level. So I think that's what's interesting once the comparisons do really start to, to kick in between Hill and Gallette. But, yeah, I like Texas for Gallette. I think he's uh, a jackknife type of player, you could, or Swiss Army knife, I should say, a guy you could move around. Um, he could be a sub defender. He can rush the passer. He certainly can cover um, and, and has some of the best ball skills of any linebacker we've scouted because – He's got, you know, 1,500 yards of offensive production to his name, just not something we talk about. The last guy I can remember like that was Christian Harris, who plays at Bama now, uh, or he might have just finished and just got you know drafted. Um, that was his profile. He was like a kick returner, and these Bama fans were like, what is this? He's a linebacker? And, you know, he ended up starting two or three years, one in Addy, kind of the whole thing. So, yeah, these are the type of players that work in this day and age more so than they ever have. So I'm uh, clearly a bigger fan of – Galette than some other folks in my industry. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm, you know, don't jump on me if I'm wrong, Longhorn Nation. But how crazy is it based off what John Garcia just told me? I think that Darian Galette had more receiving yards last year than Jalen Hill and, and Jonte Cook, right? That's kind of crazy. crazy. Like, that's crazy that our top two receiver targets had less yards than one of our edge targets last year in receiving. That's wild. So, fall camp starts for the Longhorns this week. It's going to be really important if they want to turn around what was a very unfortunate five and seven uh, season last year, I'm currently in the process of watching the Texas OU game from last year. I don't know why. So I'm going to ask you about five players from the 2022 class and just tell me what type of impact you think they can make on the 40 acres this year. If everything was to go right, I'm going to start with the highest ranked player in the class, Devon Campbell. High floor, one of the highest floors in the country last year, physically ready to play Big 12 slash SEC football whenever that happens, he's going to find a way into the rotation. I, I don't know if it's at guard, if it's at right tackle, depending on uh, the, the 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 depth of that line. I'm not as familiar, but I have a hard time imagining he's not going to at least be a situational guy. Kelvin Banks, the number one tackle in the country last year, committed to Texas. Does he find his Similar. way into the starting lineup? Similar. I know, I know, you know, left tackle year one, day one is rough. It's been done, not by many. Uh, but again, if, if a player is capable of doing it, it is a Kelvin Banks type because he is just as polished as it gets in his pass blocking. The size is, is there. The length is there as well. And he's been on campus for a while. So maybe, you know, he's a totally different player and evolved already from what we knew of him at, at the prep level. So too deep at worst is the conservative projection there. Yeah, I'm, I'm right with you. I think both of them end up starting. Uh, we talked about Texas having trouble recruiting top 100 uh, defensive linemen and linebackers. They haven't had trouble bringing in top 100 DBs, one of those being Terrence Brooks. Uh, what type of impact do you see him having this season for the Longhorns if everything goes up to plan? Love Terrence Brooks. Uh, one of the most, uh, you know, 
college ready guys in the country, obviously NFL bloodlines and I'm stalling because I'm pulling up my rankings from last year. Pretty sure he was my number one nickel in America last year. So I'm sky high on Terrence Brooks. I think he can do everything uh, on the defensive interior from a defensive back standpoint. He can reroute wide receivers. He's physical enough to, to play the bubble screens and, and me even contend with some of these hybrid tight end jumbo receiver types over the middle. Uh, he is, again, a grown man game in high school, just a guy that you just know. I'm not worried about his transition to the next level. And I think, again, yeah, he was our number one nickel prospect in the country coming out of high school last year. So that that means nickel is one of those positions, Jay, where it's like it's like quarterback. You're, I'm telling you, not only physically can you do it, but mentally you can you can take the responsibility of a corner, a safety, or an outside linebacker, mold it into one, and be okay. It's just a heavy, heavy ask, but I think Terrence is built for that. So I'd be surprised if he wasn't at least a sub-defender in, in particular packages. One thing we continuously heard during the spring was his professional mindset and his work ethic and how quickly he was picking things up. Um, so that's hits the nail on the head with what you just said. Uh, so much is made about the seven offensive linemen that were brought in in the 2022 class, but not enough is made about the eight defensive linemen that were brought in in that class, the highest ranked one being Jamon Tapp. What type of role do you see him having for the Longhorns this year at probably the most crucial need, which is pass rush? You said it, J.D., a crucial need to pass rusher. And it's one of those positions where we have seen college coaches say, hey, look, freshman, I know this is a lot. I'm not going to ask you to do a whole lot and and chip these tight ends and, and follow these blockers and all that. But on third down, when we sub you in, I need you to get after the passer. So we've seen a lot of freshmen trans, trans, um, transition, I should say, into college football as situational pass rushers. And TAP is one of these get off guys you know from the south who's got twitch to his game he's got some bend to his game as well so yeah I have a hard time thinking he's going to sit at least in situational third down type of situations it's it's a big deal for Texas um, there's, there's a lot of turnover that's going to be happening at that position in the next year or two so I think getting him on the field early makes a lot of sense as opposed to a guy who's more built for the inside where, where there is a little bit more experience uh, coming back to UT uh, this fall. We know Sark loves to utilize speed in his offense, and Brennan Thompson has 10-2 in the 100-yard uh, dash speed. So uh, talk about what type of impact you think Brennan Thompson can have uh, for an explosive offense that's loaded at the wide receiver position this year. Yeah, we, we know there's just not a whole lot of space to go around, but 10-2 is hard to keep off the field. So I'm not sure if Thompson has that, you know, kind of gangster mentality of being a punt returner, kick returner, because it takes that, you know, nowadays. Um, maybe that's a fit. Um, or he becomes a gadget guy, uh, you know, jet sweeps, just a guy you only bring in to provide, uh, you know, true juice on the edge or, or even to be a decoy if it's successful early in his career. But, yeah, that's that's just too much raw torque to, to keep off the field. And, and we've seen Steve Sarkeesian play a lot of freshmen last year, right, his, his first full year. There's, there's a – there's a willingness to take chances in, in his coaching style and how he utilizes personnel. So um, every year we should talk about a lot of freshmen making a potential impact at, at Texas. And yeah, I don't know a lot of coaches that would keep 10-2 off the field if it, if it really does translate that well. 
Yeah, can't wait to see him in certain packages this year. Also want to say shout out to the Finkleys, they're fans of the show. I know they're watching. The only reason I didn't mention Justice is because I know he's going to ball. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Locked on Longhorns. John Garcia, Jr., Director of Football Recruiting at Sports Illustrated. Joining me as always.